everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this week's episode of Faith in It with Kay. So today's Shine a Light on Goodness uh, spotlight is looking at, so I read this article um, and the article is entitled, Surgeon's Kind Gesture Proves Why Black, Black Doctors Are Important, Patient Says. So this is an article, it looks like Today wrote it, someone from Today, um, their, style, uh, their style section. Uh, so India Marshall described the emotional moment. She realized her doctor had braided her hair before her surgery to make her recovery, recovery easier. So like I read the article and, you know, she talks about how she, she, she was having surgery, uh, I believe on her forehead. So she woke up and her, like, by the, she took off the bandages um, and her hair was braided. Um, and, you know, braided in a way that it wouldn't get in the way of her scar or her, um, where the procedure had taken place. So she talks about uh, going to her checkup and kind of thinking that it was a nurse that did it. Uh, but definitely, like, thinking that it was a female nurse uh, that had done it. Uh, and then going to her checkup where her doctor or the the surgeon, uh, Dr. Joel Graywood, um, it says he's a cosmetic and functional facial plastic surgery at the Charlotte Eye, Nose, Eye Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates in Charlotte, North Carolina. So she finds out that her surgeon, uh, he actually asked her, <laughs> Um, he says to her, like, he hopes it was okay that he braided her hair. And of course, she was super surprised that this black man had braided her hair. Um, and, you know, grateful at the same time. So she talks about just being really emotional, that he took the time to do that. And, you know, he says, like, he goes on to tell her that he, he braids his three daughters hair um, on wash days. So of course, she gets really emotional in hearing that, that, uh, He's also a father who is active in his daughter's lives and does something uh, so simple yet so meaningful as braiding their hairs. So I just thought that I would share that story because it's awesome for all the right reasons. Um, You know, I think it's often not a lot of spotlights put on uh, black fathers because there are so many homes where fathers are absent or not active, but there are so many homes where the fathers are active um, and they're doing amazing things in their sons and daughters' lives. So of any color, <laughs> it's amazing when a dad's doing their hair. Um, but I just thought that was just so meaningful. Um, you know, as she talks about her experience that he, he thought enough about her um, to not only complete a surgery, but also to braid her hair uh, to make sure that... <laughs> it would be out of the way of her scarring. So uh, kudos, <laughs> kudos uh, to the fathers out there that are braiding their daughter's hair and uh, doing their part to make sure that uh, the hair is kept on wash day. Um, kudos to you and kudos to Dr. Jewel Graywood um, there in uh, Charlotte Ear, no, Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, kudos to you. 
So this week, uh, on this week's episode, we have a Gen Z with us. Um, we have Indira Purnell, and we are talking about her decision to change uh, universities. Um, so she's transitioning from a predominantly white university to now HBCU um, to continue her education. So we talk about, I guess, her experience, her experience at uh, her current university and why she's made that choice to switch over. So we're having that conversation about that. We're having a conversation about Black Lives Matter. Uh, we're just talking. <laughs> um, so I hope that you'll be able to, uh, you know, enjoy the conversation. Um, and of course, as always, don't move. Whatever you're doing, actually, unless you're driving, keep driving. Um, just don't turn the podcast off. That's what I'll say. Uh, but the next thing that you'll hear is that conversation with India. Hey, everyone. So welcome to today's episode of Faith in It with Kay. Um, so today... I am talking with Miss um, Indira Purnell, um, and for all of you guys that keep saying you're millennials, she's a Gen Z, so if you're 25 or 26 <laughs> or old or, or younger, uh, you're a Gen Z, so she's Gen Z, I believe that's Yay. what it is. Um, so she is here today, we're going to talk a little bit about um, the choice between uh, historic or black university versus a white university. She has acronyms for it. I don't remember what they are, um, but she's going to tell you guys about it in a little bit. Um, but we're going to get started with the get to know you segment. So Indira, can you tell us three of your favorite things? Yes. Um, three of my favorite things is, um, being an active advocate for like, um, animals in captivity. Also, I like playing sports and mental health is important. So, like, checking on my friends and stuff. That's okay. important to me. Okay, those are good. All right, so what's your happy place? My happy place? Mm-hmm. My so- bed. <laughs> <laughs> is it, like, your bed or sleeping? Like my Okay, my happy place? Honestly, watching ASMR, that makes me happy. Watching? ASMR. Oh, okay. So that's like another. Okay, that's, that's a, a tapping people. Topic, like I, yeah. I keep thinking that's the people who eat food. But okay, no. so that's a tapping to sound one. It's autonomous sensory meridian response. Yes. That does not require eating. Yes, I know. There's okay. one where you eat. Um, and no, no, we don't do that. Which no. is odd to me. Um, so okay, so yours is more of like sounds. Yeah, okay. people who like eating enjoy others that smack. So I don't get it. Like, why do you like people that like to smack but amplify? That's what that is. Oh, yeah, it's it's all different to me. So I I don't I don't understand any of it. I'm more um, of a tapper, a tapper, a whisper, whisper, whisper okay. like that. I do that because I get fidgety. Um, so I guess I guess that's cool. I don't know. Um, so, actually, I think I'll ask you one more. So, how are you self-caring? So, during this time, um, how are you self-caring or taking care of yourself during this time? Um, I feel like most importantly is to remember to eat right because during this time, we can we like to snack, 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 watch mm-hmm. a movie, eat, eat snacks. 
Um, so remember to eat right because you you forget because you're so used to well you're not used to being in the house so when you're in the house you're like oh I can mm-hmm. get some chips I'm gonna get some cookies I'm gonna do this but on a regular day you don't eat chips and cookies seven times a day yep that's so you have to remember to control your diet basically okay. so that's good yeah taking care of like your body also drinking your um, water yes yes I I do like. For me to drink my water, I have to do, like, infusion. So, uh, cucumber and, like, uh, um, ginger um, within my water to kind of get my water intake up. I'm still not quite there, mm-hmm. but um, I think that's good. Like, you do have to take care of your body with eating right and um, drinking enough water. So, that's that's really good as far as self-care. And, yeah. Um, well, I feel like, sorry, don't mean to interrupt, but, um, like, when I drink soda and juice and stuff, I gravitate away from water mm-hmm. so i kind of try to cut that out therefore water just tastes just as good as juice and soda it's not like ooh, now i'm not tasting anything yeah because i've tasted it all the time yeah that i like i like it but when i try juice and soda 24 7 it's like ooh, i don't want to drink water because it tastes like nothing you yeah. get what i'm saying yep that okay. makes sense if you um condition yourself to only drink water it's going to taste good to you versus, like, <laughs> you don't know you're missing something um, if you stay away from the juices. So right. that's good. And I think that's what, like, a lot of people are, like, kind of learning to do. Yeah. Um, I do have juice, but I really, I've learned that juice expires because I don't drink it as often. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I'll drink water and I'm, like, a tea person. So I drink <laughs> tea. Um, so, yeah. So that's, I think that's really good. So usually... Most podcasts, you know, I would tell our listeners who you are, mm-hmm. um, but I, I like when our guests kind of tell us who they are. So, okay. um, can you tell us who is Indira Purnell? Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so, yes, I can tell you about myself, but I'm still learning everything and still appreciating everything about myself. So, that takes some time. Just put that up for a disclosure but i am a 19 year old student recently transferred that's what we're talking about today and um also passionate about those three things so i feel like um an activist someone that's really into like mental health um so basically uh i would say a free a free will living person i'm a free person i don't think Life has guidelines, mm. and you shouldn't be restricted. You're boundless mm. in any aspect of life. So, Okay, that's good. So um, you said boundless. So what do you mean by that, like life is boundless? Um, uh, let's say you say you want to you, you wanna go to Mars. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, some people are like, that, that's impossible. For me, I'd be like, sure, you can do it. Yeah, I'm not going to be like... Yeah, don't do that. That was how, that doesn't sound like a good idea. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm like, go for your dreams. Go for whatever you feel necessary. Yeah, okay. So what what makes you believe that? Because everyone doesn't believe that. So um, I guess what is it in you that makes you believe that, like, whether it's you or somebody that wants to reach for the skies or the stars, they can. So what is it in you um, and this might even, like, be the way you grew up. Like, is there a foundation that you have? Like, um, whether it be 
a religious uh, foundation, whether it be um, parental guidelines, like what are things that were just kind of instilled values that were instilled in you? Like, mm-hmm. what is it within you that makes you think like, because, you know, Indira is also, Indira is black. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm so black, we yeah. also want to put that out there too. It's like, you know, and I think it's great that she has this. And people, um, and they say pe- black people have a lot stacked against them. So yeah. they, therefore you need to create your own pushing part. Yeah. So as a 19-year-old black girl who, you know, for depending on what era you grew up in, every 19-year-old black girl didn't think that, didn't Mm -hmm. think that life was boundless. So for you believing that this is boundless, what made, what, 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 what fed that? that? Okay. I say an open mind Mm. because um, being closed-minded, you say I could never, Mm -hmm. I can't because... You give yourself boundaries. Yeah. If you don't, if you have an open mind, you say, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. There's no boundaries there. And in religion, I'm Christian. There's no boundaries in what I can do. God doesn't say, you can't do this, you can't Mm -hmm. do that. For me, at least. That's for me. Yeah. So, therefore, I feel like that's also fit. He says, you can do whatever with me. So I say I can do whatever I want with God by mm-hmm. my side. Yeah. So there's that. And growing up, I feel like my parents taught me never to give up. Yeah. So there's that aspect. Yeah. Don't give up. No matter how hard it gets, don't give up. And growing in uh growing up in like sports culture, that's really essential to have because mm-hmm. there's always someone telling you you can't do something. Like someone told me I wouldn't be a collegiate athlete. They wouldn't even put me on a little league softball team at the age of 16 if I had listened to him and just and just quit there Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be playing I wouldn't have done two years finished Mm. as a college athlete because I listened to them yeah so um pushing yourself and being open-minded and never giving up along with never giving up having God by your side and trusting him that he's showing you the way he wants you to because everyone's journey is different. Yeah. I know that the TV looks the same on every movie. Mm-hmm. You're not in a movie. You're mm-hmm. in real life. Yeah. Therefore, your life moves different. Yeah. So, just having an open mind is the main point for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. That's important um, to have that open mind and to have that foundation of understanding or knowing within yourself that you can do whatever mm-hmm. you put your mind to or whatever you want to do. Um, I think it is definitely really important. And I think we're also living in a space where so much more is possible right. um, for a young black girl or a young black boy, despite everything that we're seeing. So um, we were going to actually tap, we were going to tap into the conversation about um, uh, school and choosing to switch universities right. to be in a more... Um, in a more cultured, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, in a diverse. more cultured uh, in, environment uh, yeah. versus the current um, environment. But I think before we talk about that, like I think I'd be remiss to not ask you, like as a nineteen-year-old that's kind of in this atmosphere mm-hmm. of uh, Black Lives Matter movement, right. um, of police brutality, of uh, blatant racism and discrimination. Mm-hmm. Of almost like protesting, like to where I'm like, I'm 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 actually really um, proud of my people right now. I am <laughs> um, so as it comes yeah. to like Black America and just 
Um, and also too, like every every white person, Asian person, Indian person, like just standing up together as like humans, um, caring about each other. Um, but I will have to say that I'm proud of because I've always believed in the value of black dollar. Mm-hmm. And I've always been we a person that our dollars make the gold <laughs> yeah. go around, and they know it. Yeah, I've always been that person. Was if you mistreated me, I'm not spending my money with you. Mm-hmm. And I'm so proud of like us culturally kind of uh, taking that stand to say like I'm not supporting a business that does not support my ability to live. So <laughs> that's no, we're gonna take a pause on that. That's deep. Can you repeat that <laughs> for the people that don't that weren't paying attention? No. So <laughs> so supporting businesses that don't support your ability to live or your like I that's think it is like we don't recognize it sometimes but that's what we do. We're literally, you know, um I love Wendy's. <laughs> and before this I was I don't eat out very like often, mm-hmm. but when I was stopping some places it was Wendy's for the spicy chicken nuggets. <laughs> um and since I found out that he that, that there's somebody within the organization high up in the organization that supports Donald Trump, I don't buy Wendy's um, mm-hmm. because I refuse to support somebody or a company that has somebody who does not support my right to live and then supports a president who's consistently um, putting out policies and procedures that are meant to oppress right. uh, me and like almost dampen, you know, that spirit that you have right now of like you can do whatever you that want, black, you can that, be that whatever. Black girl, black that black girl, black boy joy. Yes, of being who you are. Yes, so I refuse to support somebody who's trying to suppress that, um, or in supporting somebody who is a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so as or a nineteen-year-old, yeah, as a nineteen-year-old. Like, what are your thoughts on what's happening right now? And then, like, like what stands are you taking? Or do you feel like you need to take a stand um, as it pertains to what's going on? I am truly um, heartbroken a little bit about um, just because, like, you've experienced a generation that's different from yours and I've experienced a generation different from mine. No one in my generation would have ever thought that racism of any form would exist still in mm-hmm. this day because of all the work that our people the people before us done mm-hmm. but I, but i'm so proud sorry let me take a drink of water you're fine you're fine i'm so proud of like you said our people and are standing up and even people my age it's so beautiful the college students mm-hmm. um like I know DSU has a lot of people talk, um, coming out and speaking about Black Lives Matter. I'm so proud. And I'm yeah. so, it makes me even happier to be black because we are standing up for something we want change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It needs to happen. Yeah. And I'm so happy because some people say, oh, no, 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 let's not tap into that. Because we're young. Yeah. We say we, we're not allowed to talk about that. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But we do. Yeah. We do know. And it is important to us because. If it's not our us, it's our kids, mm-hmm. and we need to be able to take a stand for what we truly believe. And I'm so proud. Um, being 19 in this is hard because you want to say and do so much, and yeah. older people say your words aren't valued mm-hmm. and they're not valid because you don't understand. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, or like they say, well, change is never going to come, mm-hmm. and I don't believe that. But it's just me, maybe with my open mind. But I feel like also a lot of us, my people my age, they do have a right and they do have a choice 
to believe that they're what they're doing, they're marching, they're yeah. protesting, whatever you feel you're doing is making a change. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I'm proud and I'm happy, but I'm also kind of disappointed in the world mm-hmm. and and mankind. Mm-hmm. That's all that. But being 19, it wouldn't matter if I was two. It's still going to affect me. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's, if it's not me, it's my kids. And if it's not you, it's your kids. Mm-hmm. So you still have to be able to stand up for it, no matter how old you are. Yeah. I have a question. What do you feel about people bringing their children to the protest? Because I know in my family, there's a lot of younger kids. Mm-hmm. And um, they're like, some people are like, oh, it's okay. And then some people are like, mm, I wouldn't really do that. Yeah. But I think it's important. Yeah. Because they're going to have to deal with this if we don't show them. Yeah. And just as much as Sally and Billy, like systematic racism mm-hmm. is being taught within white families, mm-hmm. we need to not say, oh, that's not, we don't want to show them that yeah. because they're being taught that and we're, ta- we're blinding our children. So they're being, they're feeling devastated like me. I'm feeling devastated that there's racism mm-hmm. because the black family doesn't want to say we see no color, mm-hmm. but the white family is constantly taught. You have to see your color. There's no way. And the whole world sees color. Mm -hmm. And that's the issue with the entire world. But we have to teach our children. You can't dismiss it because you think it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. In little ways, though. You don't have to give them the whole shebang. But in little ways, you can put a seed and let them know love who you are yeah and there's people that don't love who you are but remember love who you are mm-hmm. so absolutely so i think you said a lot and like i'm gonna try to like um respond to because as you can see guys that's the difference also with having a gen z no, on the wait, show on. she done she done, she done like gave me topics, she done gave me a I'm, whole question on my podcast y'all she just yeah. gave me a whole question like how do you <laughs> feel about this but i, I do want to say like i appreciated what you said and i and i appreciate you not subscribing to um what an older adult told you of your voice not mattering um of things never changing um, I, I, I appreciate that you have not subscribed to that. I appreciate that you keep speaking and like for anyone that's younger, that's listening, like, I don't care if you're eight, seven, six, five, four, a baby, <laughs> if you can articulate like what, what's happening if you have it, because it, it's, it affects everyone and it's going to affect the future. And we need it, this is not just a fight about older adults. Mm-hmm. This is a fight that's spanning generation to generation to generation. So we need all the generations involved in this fight. So I appreciate every 19-year-old. I appreciate every 17-year-old. I appreciate every 6-year-old, every 5. I appreciate them speaking mm-hmm. um, because that's important. Their voices matter. And this, this I don't believe the world is going to be anti-racist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course at, not. But I think... It can be better. I think they're like this movement and these th- these steps that we're taking to diversify. Right. I think they're important, and I think it's important because that like the diversity really won't so much start with 
my generation. It might actually maybe it started with my generation, but it won't be seen until maybe your generation or the generation after you Mm -hmm. um, because the fight is happening now. And I'm so proud of everyone that's been, especially we need your 18 and 19 year olds out there voting um, and that's diversifying Congress and um, the governmental systems because that's where the the oppression is the strongest and that's where the change happens and those things are not possible without our 18 and 19 year olds and 20 year olds going out there and also voting mm-hmm. um so it's important we want you to be a part of the conversation we want you to be a part of the movement um so i would say when somebody says that continue speaking your voice um because part of the problem was that the older generation were silent and complacent with what was happening Um, It was always evident. We saw it. Mm -hmm. We saw it. But the outcry didn't come until social media came out and the younger generation also saw it. Right. And started saying, we're not okay with that. We're not okay with that. And then it became that everyone came together and said, so the older generation started saying, we're tired of it. And the younger generation said, that's not fair. That's not okay. Like we should be over this. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took it took it took everyone yeah. and the outrage of every generation for the this movement to happen. Right. So I think all your voices is important. I think it's important um, if you have young kids and they're able to. Of course, you have to be. You have to be like wise. A discreet with yeah, you have to be wise, um, even with protesting, because there was a lot of looted. Don't subscribe. To, that's not ass. okay. And those a different lot, it's things. a lot of violence and dangerous. So, so those things happen. happen um, so you do have to be mindful when you bring little kids. But I do think that it, it's it's a part of they need to be able to see that. Like yeah. I know for our kids, we took them out on Juneteenth just to walk around the block, and it was just amazing when they just kept saying. Uh, uh, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just taking moments like that for them to reaffirm and to hear themselves say that out loud was important. Right. And letting them see that their voices and their movement matters. So it's important for young kids to kind of be a part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. So of course you have to talk to them a little bit differently, but they feel the effects of this because um, as I talk, I spoke with little kids, they feel what's going on. Um, they can see it, it. And, and they're at the age when you learn that you're different. Um, you don't grow up like no. thinking you're different. You learn it because it might be a teacher who's supposed to teach you. It might be your white friend who's with you that kind of points out that you're, you're, you're black, yeah. you're different, you're not like me. Right. Um, so those things are learned really for some of our kids at the pre-K and, kinder- uh, and kindergarten levels. Right. Um, is when they learn that they're different. So it's important to kind of be a part of, for them to be a part of yeah, this conversation. Well, kids are also curious too. And that's why um, I feel like although they're young, they know a little bit mm-hmm. because um, my friend doesn't look like me. Mm-hmm. My other friend. And it doesn't have to just be a black person. The the little girl that wears the most, like, why she got that on, mommy? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to educate. You can't just say, that's none of your business. Or mm-hmm. we don't need to talk about that. That's mm-hmm. not what we stand for. Education is key. And knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. They need to know so they know how to handle it. Or right. understand at least we're different, but I respect you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important. For we're me. different. I'm not better. Like, you know, like just because you, uh, I think it's called a hijab. I might be wrong. But <laughs> um, but just because she... Jeep. So, Jeep. Mm-hmm. So, just because um, 
female is wearing that doesn't mean that she's any less of a female, any less of a person. Um, It's just a matter of that's she's a person and based on her religion, Mm -hmm. that's what she needs to wear. Okay. Like we can still play. We can still do like whatever we need to do. Yeah. Um, And I think that's why it's important to have those conversations with your kids and, and, you know, we have to be mindful that everyone's not having those respectful conversations with their kids um, about respecting everyone's differences. That's, um, that doesn't have to even go with race. It's just in general. Yeah. Educating, and I feel like a lot of parents educate their children about um, certain um, disorders mm-hmm. or people who are handicapped. Mm-hmm. All things like that. You need to feed your child because their curiosity is going to run wild without any guidance. Mm-hmm. So they may feel like that that's bad. Mm-hmm. Him in the wheelchair, that's bad. Mm-hmm. No, it's not bad, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. He's different than you. Mm-hmm. He needs that wheelchair. You can still play with him. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a lot of um, miseducation or misleading things that happen when you're young that mm-hmm. you they need to tap into. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I think all this education starts with... Um, I think the Bible says, train up a child um, when he's young. So when he's old, he won't uh, stray away from those teachings. And that's true. Like if you, if you teach your kid not to discriminate against anyone, regardless of creed, um, regardless of race, gender, any of those things, if you teach a child that young, they're going to grow up into adults Mm -hmm. who believe that Um, unless I don't know. I don't like it for takes some people like to develop their it, own mind. Yeah, it, it takes like and I feel like certain discrim- discriminations are valued a little bit, like boy versus girl, pink versus mm-hmm. blue. You can't do this, girls can't do that. It it's all valued in a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's not as it's not bad, but it's not all good. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's still discrimination. Yeah. Like I I I I think like I think those are all most of it. Like all of that stuff is just systematic things that have been like uh, right. placed. Um, because I'm like, why can't a boy like pink? <laughs> you know, like why? Cute. And it's it's literally because we've been conditioned in a way to believe. So it's to believe that pink is for girls, and mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't like pink. Like, and I remember being a girl, like rebelling. Um, I didn't want to like pink and I didn't want to like purple because they were like their girl colors. My yeah. favorite color was sky blue because I, I was like, I and they were like, that's a boy's color. Well, that's the color I like. I didn't want to, because they told me I had to like pink or purple. Now I love purple. <laughs> like I, purple is actually like, it's my favorite color. Um, and it was always a color that I loved, but I rebelled because I was being told that's the color I'm supposed to I'm supposed to like as a girl either pink or purple because mm-hmm. you're a girl and girls like pink or purple blues are for boys green are for those colors are for boys you're I never a girl that. my favorite <laughs> so, color is green being green always comes yeah green. so you know like I think those things are idiotic <laughs> um, they're and I don't very ignorant yeah like they and very um what do you call that um, selfish yeah. And they're archaic. Like, a lot of them are just archaic. Like, they were, like, me, man, you, woman, uh, Tarzan (laughs) and Jane kind of, like, philosophies. Um, And they were just, like, everything else meant to separate man 
um, and women, men and women. So black and white, it's black and white. Like they were all meant to just create separation uh, between us. Right. Um, but I also, I also want to get to so Indira. Yes. Uh, you, you were because you decided to transfer, mm-hmm. but you were going to a predominantly white school. Yes. Um, in which you played sports. So what made you choose that school? And like, what's making you making, what's caused you to make a different decision? Okay. Um, so I'm going to give like Miss Katie says she, when we tell you the acronyms. So historically black college is the HBCU. Mm-hmm. A PWI is a predominantly white institution. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, continuing my education was always the most important part after high school. Mm-hmm. Now where I was going to do it and with, 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 with what money mm-hmm. was the next step? Mm-hmm. Where and with with what with money? Whatever with the money, which money? <laughs> so I was like, okay, we're gonna go out for scholarships. I feel like I seen dollar signs before I seen myself within the school. Mm-hmm. So that's what tapped into my first decision, truthfully, mm-hmm. because my dad says, "Oh, here's a place that will give you a little bit of money. We'll pay less, but you'll get where you need to go." Mm-hmm. That's why I chose it at first. And that's honestly not the way to go. Please do Mm -hmm. not choose a college based off of money. Don't. Mm -hmm. Ever. Because you you spend so much time in college. It's just like it's just like staying at home. How are you gonna go to a house you never like every day? It's Mm -hmm. miserable. Mm -hmm. But and you still have to be successful and thrive in that. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. So that's why I feel like I chose that school at first because I because of money and because of sports and saying I'm following my dream. I'm I have a scholarship. I'm getting money to play softball to do my dream. Yes, that's only feeding one part of my life. Yeah. We're multidimensional people. Mm-hmm. At least you should try to be because mm-hmm. you're gonna get bored at one point of doing the same thing all the time. Mm-hmm. You have to find an institution that feeds you in multiple ways, culturally, um, through communication, networking, your friendships your your aspirations guess what i'm the little black girl i see all my white friends doing it they say and i even experienced a little bit of like underlined racism at the school because like if i say professor i need help i need help i don't understand he'll open my book read it i know how to read sir I read the book. Why? That's no solution to me. Mm-hmm. That can't help me. Mm-hmm. But you say, "Oh, I'm staying after." Come on, Sally. Let's let's go in the lab and let's figure this out. You're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna pass the next test. Mm-hmm. Where was that for me? Mm-hmm. You open my book and say, "Read that." I know how to read. I got here. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that doesn't make any sense. So, I feel like, um, in the major I wanted to do. I wasn't really getting much support, much yeah. help. Um, not as much as I needed. Maybe mm. the next person that a little bit of help helped them. Yeah. But it didn't help me. Yeah. So that's why I feel like um being in a predominantly white school didn't help me personally. It didn't help me grow in the classroom because I feel like I couldn't do it. Yeah. Like it wasn't made for me. And like I said, I'm open minded. No matter how many times you say, well, maybe my advisor would be like, maybe you could try to change the human resources. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to do human resources. Yeah. That's not my job. That's not mm-hmm. what I like to do. I want to be a nurse. I want to mm-hmm. help people. Yeah. Medical field. I did four years in high school in the um, med the medical assistant med lab um, major. Yeah. I got certified EKG and phlebotomy. Why the heck would I go to college and say, oh, I'm a human resources, human resources uh, major? Mm-hmm. I wasted my time. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I like. It means either you're going to help me or you're not. Mm-hmm. So they were like, we're going to help you a little bit, but we're going to not help you enough so you can like so we can push you into an area we want you to go. Mm-hmm. So that, that was another thing with that school. And also, being an athlete at a predominantly white school and being black, um, I would love to say there is no different in that. But you know, all people like their people. Mm-hmm. So, although in athlete and athletics, it is um, who can perform the best for the coach. Mm-hmm. They will skip over you, no matter your performance, if you're black, mm-hmm. because they say they're like, "Great job, great job, great job." Game day, where was I? Did such a great job. Why is she out there? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So don't praise my behavior and practice, but when it's time for you, when you want actual performance mm-hmm. for people to perform for you, um, you say, no, 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 that's not good. Mm-hmm. You, you'll be good for another time. Mm-hmm. Try again another day. So it's a lot of underlying stuff. And I feel like HBCUs, it's nothing like, like you said, people love, like I said, people love their people. Mm-hmm. They're going to embrace you. Mm-hmm. You are one of us. Mm-hmm. We want you to succeed. We want you to help you. And that's what I hope to find at my new school because I didn't get that. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what it feels like yeah. to be neglected. Now I'm ready to be enriched, mm-hmm. to be built up with the diversity, with the culture and all like seeing people around me my same color doing it mm-hmm. it's just gonna be like I can do that too yeah they're not gonna sit here and say read a book mm-hmm. they know I can read mm-hmm. they're not gonna say that simple stuff mm-hmm. because they will actually want to help me yeah. they they have people of my color going to their institution for a reason to get an education I didn't go to the PWI for you to tell me to that I need to read a book. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like common sense that I know how to read, mm-hmm. sir. Yeah. So, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, it's like, although I can't really say out loud big moments that I felt I wasn't welcomed, mm-hmm. there's still underlying ways to prove that. Now, HBCUs, they are going to do nothing but nurture you. Mm-hmm. Because... You're one of their own. They don't want you to go by the wayside. Yeah. And that's all that I heard. Mm-hmm. And people, and you know what I noticed? When I said I went to PWI to a black person, they were so, it was like a, <gasps> you did? Mm-hmm. Because they know that they don't, they can't feed you the same mm-hmm. the way your own can feed you. Mm-hmm. So that's why I felt like I'll notice a big a big problem, not a big problem, but a big deal about going to HBCU versus a PWI mm-hmm. and leaving the place where I was. I'm a people's person. I'm an all for one. Mm-hmm. I loved it, right? 
because I'm open-minded. I care for all things. But the thing is, you can't dismiss the blatant disrespect. Mm -hmm. And that's, I feel like some people do that go to PWIs. You telling me I know how to read, that I don't know how to read this book, that's disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And you saying, well, um, freshman year, I failed my class. And my teacher yet to reach out to me and ask me why. I was going, I would be in the classroom crying, I'm not lying, crying with my head down because I don't know nothing on this test. I try, sir. I came to you, you said, uh, read the book. Okay, I don't know how to read, I don't understand. That's comprehension. I, I think you should know that as a teacher. When you read something and you don't comprehend it, there's no point in keep reading it. Mm-hmm. So... I would cry in the class, cry during my test, and then just leave. And they would have no issue with that. I don't understand how you have no issue with a student that's failing in your classroom and you still say, well, you weren't reading the book. Mm-hmm. So I just feel like I will be fed, like being nurtured and taken care of a different way by my own people than a place where I'm not welcome. Even the school I was at, they were called out on um, p- putting people, putting African Americans in their um, papers and their posters that didn't even go to the school. Oh, okay. <laughs> like you see, what I'm saying there, it's like almost like propaganda. Mm. We love the black, we love the black people, we love the black people, but when we get there, you don't feed us the same as your people. Yeah, I think. Um... With I know that even like a PWI lot of because around, PWI is really, um, like it's taboo. I would say for a school to be all white, um, and because of uh, oh my gosh, the word is escaping me right now. It's not taboo because um, it's it's like five black people. Yeah, but no, because of affirmative action, um, that can't happen. So there's that's why you'll find in PWIs maybe one percent um, of minority to consider di- some diversity mm-hmm. um, because I think the conversation is is like well why do black people get to have uh, all black colleges and we don't get to have all white schools um, and I think it like goes back to segregation you yeah. have all white schools yeah why but do I. You need- I think more. there's a disconnect um, with and that with people with white people not getting the problem of like black people didn't want <laughs> like the aim wasn't to have all black colleges the <laughs> right. aim was we needed to go to college mm-hmm. so in order to do that you had to create your own college right. and that's how black people could go to school um, it was they don't understand be- that. Yeah, so it, it, I think like there's a disconnect there, and it's like even in historically black colleges, um, there are white kids that go there. Like, so they love it. There. <laughs> yeah, so I know so many people that go to the SU and they're white. They love it. Yeah, so like it's not a it's not a thing where it's like oh no white people are not at the black colleges. Just just that it's not reciprocated um, within the white schools, and they're just as like they're just as welcomed as the black students. Um, right. at those historically black colleges, they're just as welcome as the white students, whereas it's not the same in those white colleges. Mm-hmm. Because some, oftentimes, the kids who are in those white colleges, 
feel or believe that that black person is not there because of their economic, uh, because of their performances or because they're intelligent enough, but because of affirmative action. So they had to let Some, a certain yeah. amount of white uh, black kids get here. So that's why you're here. Mm-hmm. You're here because we needed black faces or black right. bodies to say that, oh, we're, look, we have a black population. Can I give an example on that? Mm-hmm. So when I was looking for schools and things in that nature, um, I was went to a coach. And she was like, oh, I'd love to have you. I'd love to have you. But also, no, we have this little scholarship. You know, you're the minority on our campus. Mm. You can get this scholarship. You know, you, you'd be a great person for it. Why are you telling me that on the first day? Mm-hmm. Why? I know it, that's valuable, inf- valuable information. But why do you need to tell me on the first time I'm meeting you that you can give me a scholarship because of the color of my skin? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's crazy to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it's 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 such a layered um, problem and issue, which just goes back to the system um, of issues. But like, I'm glad that you know you're able to kind of make this decision for yourself, like, and to see too. It's, it's hard, like and it's a big oftentimes decision. as black people, or like, yeah, really as black people, um, our choices and our decisions when it comes to college because we don't often have money saved put aside for college it is based on who's going to give me the most money like where can I go to where I can actually afford to go Mm -hmm. um and I think sometimes it is that financial um this that thing that makes the decision for us because it's such a burden it's like I want to go my family can't afford it but here's the school that's offered me so much money but like you said there is a downfall of of your comfort and of your peace um and then you too, you fight a little bit, you have to fight a little bit harder because you're competing um, with everyone that doesn't look like you. And no matter how well you do, um, you're still having to fight harder. I think like it is true, like when you're in a more diverse um, uh, atmosphere or just like as a black person at HBCU, I did not get to go to HBCU. I wanted to go to HBCU, but um, I think I told you guys before that I'm, I'm a DACA uh, recipient, so I didn't have that opportunity because even at my age now, like I still want to pledge. Like I'm still looking to see how can I pledge um, because like that was something that I wanted to do and I tried to look for it through my school, but I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted that experience of everything that a HBCU has to offer. And part of it is that culture um, that that even when the lessons are taught, um, they're taught from a different place of like uh, black empowerment versus um, uh, black oppression. Right. Some girl told (laughs) me that when you go to HBCU, they teach you how to be black. Yeah. Like it's not just... not, not in a, how to not be black, how to be powerful. How to be accept your blackness yeah. and use it to yeah. your advantage and yeah. and be proud mm-hmm. of being who you are. Yeah. So and like um um someone told me them going to back in the day they say like your parents wanted to send you to the white schools because of, they were seemed to be better than. Mm-hmm. But she says no one can teach you better than your black teacher because she wants you to understand mm-hmm. the information. Yeah. She wants you to know. They don't want you to know. Yeah. They're not going to teach you the same. So she says that she had the best um, the best experience with black teachers or black professors because they actually fed her the information. Yeah. They wanted her to know. Mm-hmm. They, 
they rooted for her. Yeah. Not like the white professor could. Because yeah. they that's you're just another student in their class. Yeah. And I, I, I think too, like that's important. There is a certain community, um, especially when you're in the in a field where where educators in the field where they they actually care about their work and what they're doing. So like for a black educator, no matter what level they're in, um, and I think um, I have this conversation sometimes because like part of my work is like I love um, advocating for kids or just and I think the educational system is one of the most broken systems. Um, and it's definitely where that oppression kind of uh, starts or kids start to feel it um, mm-hmm. because the different levels of um, of education based on economic status um, and economic status often that's determined by your uh, racial box that you check off so right. the race Social, that you check off your socioeconomic. yeah so your socioeconomic is based on like what race that you kind of like check off because okay. most schools money you have. yeah most schools are funded by the um, tax being paid in the community or where they're located um, so because of all of that and then like even too like being in school systems where um, it's predominantly black or hispanic but the teachers are predominantly white and not even just predominantly white, but they're predominantly white from the suburbs. Um, <laughs> right. Where the kids are coming from inner city. And there's like a certain level of turmoil, a certain level of fight that an inner city kid has and has to have in order to survive, especially as a black or brown kid. There are certain things that you're going through in your experience and that you're learning that your white um, counterparts are not having to deal with because their home life is different. And the teacher doesn't and understand. And the teacher doesn't understand it. They she don't has no understand. Idea. She says yeah. you're being bad yeah. because you're black. Yeah. No, they're dealing with certain things you couldn't even understand that 29 years old. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. So there's no level of like, and, and I think like, that's why I said like the school system kind of still creates that to where um, it fosters pushing in um, white teachers who don't understand kid, like black kids or brown kids into schools that's predominantly black kids and brown kids. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that white teachers can't teach a child. Um, but if they're not willing to really understand and care enough about a child, they should not be there because there's like, you have to be rooting for that kid and want them to win so much that you're willing to understand, okay, for that child, depending on where they came from, like what their home life is like. Um, and I think it's been like poems written about it, but it's like, maybe they came to school hungry. Maybe their clothes was unwashed because there's nobody at home washing it for them. Maybe they're angry because just cussed them out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're angry because you're like, yeah, they were cursed out. Maybe they are being abused. Like you don't know what those kids are going through, um, at home. And even when we walk in sometimes with smiles on our faces, you don't know what it was. Um, that just transpired in order to kind of be mm-hmm. there um, to have that fight to learn. And I do, uh, I do, I appreciate like the HBCUs for that because um, no matter where the teachers grew up, especially if they're black, like, especially if they're black, no matter where they grew up or came from, there's a certain level of understanding that we always have because the struggle is so, um, so leveled across social economic background. Right. Um, so even if they did grow up in the suburbs, there are certain things about their blackness that they could not that escape. They, yeah. Because, and they, they understand. <laughs> yeah. So like there's still a certain <laughs> level of black. conversation. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, there's a certain level of like wanting. Because I know for me, I'm like, I want all kids to succeed. 
but there was a certain level of just like proudness and because the system has created it this way. There's a certain level of proudness and drive that I have for mm-hmm. a black and brown kid who's trying to make it and they're trying to beat all odds and you know everything's against them and they're like so determined to be the best and to do the best. I'm right. like, the way I, I have to root for him or her is just so much different because I understand everything that they have to go through in order to kind of have that fight. Right. And like I think that's what's amazing about HBCUs and just institutions where... There's a certain level of understanding and care for and the black students, and like, like, I, I don't know of a college, like it'd be just beautiful if it was just people of all different colors and races, just yeah, all, all at the university. Yeah. Like, I think that would be so fun. <laughs> Um, Who, okay, but what's the... we we know how to party all by ourselves. So <laughs> exactly. like you so know, that's like, why we had to get our if own I had thing. to choose, yeah. yeah, if I had to choose, I'm still gonna go for us. Um, but I would absolutely, it'd be amazing to be at a school too where there's just race, like I would be everyone. amazing to <laughs> for to live in a world that sees no no nothing. Yeah, we're all, my grandma told me when you ripped the skin up, we we got white meat. When yeah. you Cut us, we all bleed mm-hmm. red. When we get old, our hair turns gray. Mm-hmm. They say hair color is genetics. We got the same genes somewhere. Yeah. Like, so. I, well, I think um, it's been proven also that every white person has a speck of black, just like within their DNA, just like every black person. So, whatever, like, uh, unique genotype, like, yeah. it is that kind of uh, associates me other than the top layer of my skin to say that, oh, that's a black person's Mm -hmm. genes uh, versus a white person. Like, there's a certain level of similarity between a black and a white person in their genotype, like, in their makeup. Genealogy is Um, crazy. Because (laughs) I really, like, like, I believe in the Bible wholeheartedly. And biblically, we all came from Africa. Like, we all African. Mm-hmm. You're like if you're white, you're just a light skinned African. Right. Like we call light skinned black. No, you're like a light skinned African. <laughs> like we're all the same color. We're right. from the same race. Our shade, yeah, <laughs> our <The> shade, shade. <laughs> is different. Like you know, I think like some people will say like, oh, you just you just got out of the oven a little bit uh, sooner than the rest. But like the shade of what we we're all the same. That's why you can go sit in the sun. Because that's what made black people uh, darker, too, was our proximity to the sun. Right. That's why you can bathe in the sun and get a darker shade within your skin tone. So, As for <laughs> white people as well. Yeah. So, like, you know, like, we but are. But to talk about the school It's just classism. Name, who was the, the first? Ruby Bridges mm-hmm. was the first black girl to go to a white school. That was only 60 years ago. Yeah. That wasn't too long ago. Mm-hmm. So the education system definitely is a little messed up. Like you said, with the white um, teachers mm-hmm. not understanding the black students. Like, if a... Ch- okay, so let's say, like, someone is acting up every single day, and you send them out every day. That's every day less they have education mm-hmm. that the white person has. Because mm-hmm. you say, I can't handle it, leave. Mm-hmm. They don't understand that. But but us black people we see that but they don't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like I think it's um, it's really messed up. I think the conversations that we have with kids are different when we realize that, um, we realize that we understand the struggle. So 
congratulations on switching. Thank um, you. I think so I think much. yeah, I think it's it's also good that you had that experience. So, you know, when you have I these love conversations. All my yeah, when you have this conversation it's like, you know, you're able to kind of talk, not talk about the experience at um a predominantly white school and then talk about the experience at an HBCU. So even like in the future when you're talking to a um a potential oh, person, ta- you're I'm able to tell them like you're able to tell them your experience and you know one like your your experience is not everyone else's experience. No. Um so like we also want to be clear about those things but I can agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. Yeah, so it's like there are people who do they go to predominantly white school and they might not feel any different and that's and that's great and that's, that's fine. fine um and i think but I, I i appreciate the the ability that you had to speak on both uh, kind of like both spectrum of like being a predominantly white school and then also going to hbcu like i said it's um, not all bad yeah. i loved it yeah but for me what i wanted and the way i wanted my education to be yeah. fed, it didn't work out for me yeah like the system itself did not um was not set up for you to to win Succeed. yeah um and you definitely want to be somewhere where it's not just a social thing um but you're able to really succeed yes. um because who wants to pay for school <laughs> and not succeed yeah uh college is not no longer a game so congratulations on that yeah um and, and thank you I so think, much for having me on your podcast. So this is another I've millennial to do thing. That. So I wanted, I've been wanting to do this for so long, and I'm so happy. And hopefully, I can start my podcast soon. We'll see. <laughs> Stay tuned. Uh, hopefully, I'll be back and let y'all know that I have a podcast. Okay. So, see guys, that's another Gen Z thing. Who told her? To like sign off on the podcast like that. I'm a plug, but I because um, I did want to ask because like um, you said, part of your thing is um, also um, mental health. Um, okay. Or so you know, especially like during this time of um, COVID nineteen mm-hmm. and just racially, what's going on? Um, what is it that gives you the drive as it pertains to like whether it's like mental health or just health in general or a passion for that? Um, so where does that drive come from? Um, um, I would say that during the times like this is when mental health in a bad way can spiral up because mm-hmm. you're secluded. You don't, you're not distracted from your own mind. And that's the biggest thing with me because I had experienced mental health. Um, in the in the winter, mm-hmm. in the fall winter, mm-hmm. um, and being alone and being inside was hurt is what hurt me the most. Mm. So right now is a time where it can get a little funny because you're only around yourself with the, the people around you, and being black, especially media sometimes can be overwhelming mm-hmm. especially if you're not taking it in doses and you're constantly seeing it it can be a lot mm-hmm. but we have to remember is for your mental health you have to be happy for yourself mm-hmm. so although if it if if the media isn't helping you you got to cut it off mm-hmm. if you want to be around someone go in the room with someone else mm-hmm. You can't um, always, like, say, oh, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, over and over and over again till you start crying. 
because black lives do matter, but your but your mental health matters too. Mm-hmm. I put that over everything. Happiness for yourself is over the top of everything. Mm-hmm. Maybe not religion, but that's the only thing. Mm-hmm. But your mental health is the most important. It's key. If you phys- if you mentally don't aren't there, you physically aren't there. Yeah, yeah. and that's I'm not speaking for everyone, but for me. That's the case. If I'm mentally not in the place I need to be, physically, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm not going anywhere physically, my life isn't moving. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's important. Um, I know for me, like, during this time, uh, I had to, like, and even now, like, I still take mental breaks during the weekend from uh, social media. Because mm-hmm. there are people who just, who just became quote unquote woke <laughs> or this issue just started happening, like bothering them. Some crazy but stuff. I've been, I've been on this band wave for like, for a very long time. So I think, uh, because everyone is so amplified, uh, about the situation, they're so amped up. Like that made me even like more amped up. Like I've always been like on that wavelength, but right. now like everybody's on it. And I'm like, and I was like, yeah. And I'm like posting and I'm going and I'm like, and I'm taking myself through all these, uh, roller coasters, like emotional right. roller coasters. And, and like, it came to a point where I was just like, I'm getting stuff done, but mentally I was like, I was depleted. Um, and I had to take a break and say, okay, like I think I took a weekend, I took a weekend off from social media. I didn't post anything. I didn't do anything. Cause I was just like, I need to recenter. And that weekend was not enough. So I continue, <laughs> like, <laughs> and I just keep, um, cause as I'm trying to build my platform, like there's a certain level of posting that I, um, I try to get done, but even now, like on weekends, I don't go on social media right. as much because, I'm that person. I'm like, see a video and I'm very upset and I just start posting and I'm like saying and da 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 and tagging. I'm tagging whoever I need to tag and I'm like, fix this, go. And I'm like, that's emotionally too much. Like, like if even now, if you look at my feed, it's like, happy, Black Lives Matter. Happy, right. Black Lives I Matter. I just happy, tap into that. Black Lives Matter. <laughs> now on media, it even feels like if you show any type of joy as a black person, they like, be going through a racial pandemic. Yeah. Yes, don't post no happy stuff. Yeah. But it's but yeah, I post, you can't tell me. Yeah. Because I'm me, I'm happy. Yeah. I know that there's, we all going to go through Black Lives Matter, period. Yeah. We black. Can't forget our skin yeah. color. But mental health is key. Yeah. I it's, still, I post happy things. I'm like, happy but don't forget, Black Lives yeah. Matter. And don't like, you ever forget that. <laughs> like, because, I'm not gonna let you. Forget. Yeah, I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna let my uh, uh, mental state or emotional state suffer um, to to prove that Black Lives Matter because that doesn't prove anything. Um, I think part of like Black Lives Matter is also remembering that your Black health matters, and if you spiral out of control, depending on where you go in the medical system you're screwed mm-hmm. because these these social like these disparities also exist in the medical system. Right. So well, I'm I'm definitely topic. just I'm definitely just trying to okay, where can I exist to where I am uh taking care of myself mentally, physically and emotionally but still fighting the good fight. Um and I I think it's like finding that balance. I, like for me I didn't go out protesting. I protested in New York when uh I think it was like Trayvon Martin was killed and you know, 
I did, I did the protest. And this time, I did not go out and physically protest. But you know what? I was, I was on the Instagram and Facebook protest, and I was on the wallet protest. Um, oh, yeah. Because, that, like... That wallet protest yeah, is serious. That's, that's what I want to be on. So, like, at the end of the day, it's just, like, you, you have to find what... Find your balance. Find your happy place of, um, yes, uh, social injustice, like getting rid of the systematic um uh systematic oppression and uh system of racism like get rid of that but also do not forget to take care of yourself yeah i feel like do we not have an issue that. as people to swarm everything together yeah and we need to learn separations key yeah for for your life not for racist mm-hmm. people that's not separation is not key unity is where we'll find success mm-hmm. but for your Mental health, separating yourself is good sometimes. Mm. Yeah, sometimes you got to take take some time. Take a step and back re- and, and, and be with, one with yourself yeah. and, and, and figure out what you want to do and love yourself and build yourself. And yeah. If we all be the best person we can be, everyone's unstoppable. Yeah. unstoppable. Absolutely. We got to refocus and like kind of get our minds together. Um, like the last question that I usually ask everyone is what is something that they would say to their 12-year-old selves? So the question that I usually ask um, my guests is to take a moment to speak to their 12-year-old selves, um, especially like kind of like looking at who they are now and, you know, kind of thinking about who they were at 12. So that 12-year-old looking... And I, I think, like, it's still been a f- few years, so yeah, I think you can still like answer that. this question yeah. of, um, Indira, 12 years old, and when you look at yourself now, like, who she was, and then, like, kind of who you are now, and what would your 12-year-old self say to you? Um, you what would I say to my 12-year-old self? No, what would your 12-year-old say, self say to um, you? She would, like, you're not, she would say you're not pretty, and it's, you need, you're weird. No, so... Because okay. so you're that's what you use like that's what I used to think because I would say I'm not, yes I don't so, look like everyone else and I don't think like everyone else and I don't act like everyone else yes so that's what those those two adjectives right there you're ugly and you're weird yes those two things so that's what that's the self talk your twelve year old had to so, myself yeah. so now that you are nineteen. Now you can speak back and kind of like look. And so at 12 years old, so the question is, like at 12 years old, you are looking at you at 19 years old. And in your mind, you believe that you, you weren't smart enough or you weren't pretty enough and you, you didn't fit in. So now that you're like a, as a 12-year-old self, is your 12-year-old self looking at you at 19 and saying the same thing? No. What is your 12-year-old say, self saying to you She's right saying, now at 19? You're so cute. and you're it's okay to be different. What makes you different is you being different is what makes you beautiful. Mm-hmm. Is and and never be like anyone else mm-hmm. because if everyone else was ever like like each other, they'll be robots. Yeah. Don't be that robot. Be the leader. Yeah. And you are smart enough. Everyone's smart enough for whatever you want to do. Yeah. So if if something doesn't work out for you, try something else. Yeah. You'll figure it out. So that's what my twelve year old self would tell me now. Yeah. Um, you got it. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So Awesome. 
And then, like, usually I ask. And, and embrace that beauty, sorry. Embrace that. All right. That's a good word for everyone. You know, <laughs> no matter what age you are, to embrace your beauty and to embrace your ability to do whatever it is that you put your mind to. Mm-hmm. I think those are really good things. And, you know, I usually ask, too, like, uh, what's your favorite Bible scripture? I don't know if you have one that you can um, think of. Like, I do. Like, what your favorite Bible scripture is. So, this could be your go-to scripture. The scripture that kind of like, okay, well, right now I'm not feeling it. Uh, Indira, but Indira, get it together. Like, because the Bible says this. Yeah. Um, so, like, if you can kind of, like, tell I'm... us what your uh, favorite Bible scripture is. So, she's looking it up, y'all. So, that's why I keep talking. So, I can give her some time. I just want to say it really. <laughs> she wants because to. Because I, ha- I be putting words in it by myself. What it means to me. Yeah. And my mom's like, you... You can't be seeing it like that. <laughs> all right. Surely, the Psalms 23, 6. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will forever dwell in the house of the Lord. Mm, that's a good one. This is something I live by. Yeah. <laughs> I have it tattooed on me. Yeah. <laughs> that means so much to me. This scripture, what it means to me is me. Yeah. Be free. You have yeah. no boundaries. Yeah. Goodness and love will follow you. Yeah. As long as you lead it. For yourself. Mm-hmm. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord. Yeah. So, like, that's really good. And and I think, like, even for you, like, you know, when you put words kind of, like, into it or paraphrase it, too, that also becomes an affirmation. So, mm-hmm. I have a bunch of affirmations that I say that are not, that are, in essence, the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are more uh, personal to me. Right. Like, you know, uh, the Bible tells us um, that our gifts will make room for us. And bring us before great men. Mm-hmm. So my affirmation is, uh, my gift is making room for me and bringing me before great men and women. Um, like so, I take the scripture and I put myself in it to affirm. Like today, like today is what you're do. walking. Yeah. So like, because I he think makes that's us good. All different. Huh? I said I feel like that's what God wants us to do because mm-hmm. He makes us all different. Yeah. So therefore, we will perceive His word mm-hmm. for us, yep. not for no one else. Yeah, because so. it's meant it's meant for it's meant for all of us, but it it's meant also for us to take it personally and, and make it our own right. and to where it becomes our lifestyle. Right. Um, because I think sometimes like we read the Bible as if it's an elusive thing, um, as if as if it's a dictionary. Yeah, it's not so a dictionary. It, it's it's, like, it's, it's more like an encyclopedia. <laughs> well, <laughs> like it has all things you don't know that you need to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, so like and yes, it, it it's it's a it's a blueprint to your life right. and those principles and guidance that you that you need. So whatever it is that you're dealing with, you can find it in the Bible. Like um I Bible's not boring to me. Um I've read lots of very interesting stories mm-hmm. and I'm like this is like a soap opera. <laughs> it it's, is. It's 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 good stuff and it's like and I think if you you read it and then you realize like Oh, okay. I've read I can Bible do this. Before. I can do this. God really does love me and God doesn't care. Like, you know, like the Bible is full of screw ups. Um, so it That's doesn't like disciples. It's okay. He's it's okay. Them how to fix it. It's okay that we screw up. Like, it's okay. Like, the Bible is full of it. Um, and the amazing thing is that he's able to take a screw up and just do amazing things. Um, so, yeah. So, thank you for sharing your favorite scriptures with us. No um, thank you for having me on the podcast yes. once again. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for coming on. Did you have any final words that you have for our listeners? Or, um, love yourself. 
Yeah. Those three words. <laughs> well, thank you for thank Those you, Indira. <laughs> Love yourself. <laughs> Those two words. <laughs> Don't laugh. for just kind of for having this conversation um just mm-hmm. about just to because uh, i feel like we spoke uh, we spoke about we so much um so thank you for taking the time to kind of have this conversation and i hope for anyone especially if you're a younger audience member listening um that's trying to make the decision between what school to go to mm-hmm. especially um as a black person that you kind of like take into consideration and we'll make sure that if indira is okay with it We'll make sure that, just like everyone else in the show notes, we'll make sure that we have her information. So if you'd like to connect and ask questions, yep. um, that you're able to kind of do those things as well. Um, and hopefully I can come back and give you an update <laughs> so, on my HBCU experience. So, yeah. So Indira's going to come back and give us an update on her HBCU experience <laughs> um, once uh, she's able to kind of get into school uh, this fall. Yep. So. Thank you again, Indira, for being here. We appreciate your perspective. Thank you. <laughs> so thank you guys again for joining us, joining me, for Indira, for this week's episode of Faith in It with Kay. Um, I just want to reiterate for the scripture uh, that Indira share, shared with us, which was Psalms 23, verse 6, which says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that scripture... Um, goes in tandem like with Psalms 23 you just read it as a whole and it just the whole chapter is talking about um, how God is our is our shepherd that's leading us protecting us and guiding us Um, so it's an amazing scripture just to um, it's one of the first scriptures (laughs) generally that um, Christians kind of uh, memorize in understanding God's goodness and God's uh, ability to shield us, to guide us, and to be with us no matter what's going on. So, you know, I appreciate India for sharing that as her uh, uh, 23 verse 6 is her favorite scripture. So, you know, when you have some time, go ahead and, of course, if you don't know that, uh, Psalms 23, it's a good one to to internalize um, in understanding who God is and uh, his ability to protect you and I. So, you know, thank you again. Um, as always, you will be able to see Indira's information to connect in the show notes. Um, you'll also see information on how to connect with me uh, via my personal page on Instagram and Facebook and also the show's uh, page on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter accounts. So you'll be able to connect um, please continue to subscribe, subscribe wherever you listen, um, and also comment, leave some feedback, email, uh, you can email me at faithinitwithk at gmail.com, so faithinitwithk at gmail.com, you can email me, uh, I'd love to hear from you, I love all the feedbacks and the comments, but guys, please don't forget to actually put those wherever you listen because it matters as far as ratings within um, the different platforms that these po- that 
uh, my podcast is. So I enjoy the text. I enjoy the emails because um, it lets me know that I'm on the right track. So I appreciate them so much. Um, but please also put those thoughts within the, the wherever you listen um, and given ratings, uh, um, giving us some stars <laughs> and, you know, leaving some comments. So again, I want to thank you so much for just continuing to join, um, join me on this ride. So I hope these conversations are helpful. I hope they inspire, encourage, um, and just cause, you know, just a, invoke some thought um, in whatever area um, of your lives that you kind of need um, to be awakened. So. Thank you again for joining me for this week's episode of Faith in with Faith in It with Kay. See ya.